0: Good morning, everyone. Today is the 295th day of the year, leaving only 70 days ahead of us in 2018. 56 years ago today, President John Kennedy, in a speech to the American people, announced that American spy planes had discovered Soviet missile bases being built in Cuba. Because of the proximity to the United States and the growing threat that the USSR would easily be able to strike the contiguous U.S. if construction of the bases in Cuba were completed, said Kennedy, a naval quarantine of the waters around Cuba was put into effect, and the subsequent impasse that was soon resolved became known as the Cuban Missile Crisis. Ninety-one years ago today, a special grand jury handed down 102 indictments against members of the Ku Klux Klan in Crenshaw County, Alabama, who were involved in 20 floggings of blacks in that county. Today is the birthday of actor Jeff Goldblum, who turns 66, and reggae rap artist Shaggy, who turns 50. This past weekend, the Orionid meteor showers were in abundance, and day after next, we will have the full hunter's moon, also known as the travel moon, and the dying grass moon, apropos of the series of frosts that Maine experienced this past week, eventually leading to the hard frost and burgeoning freeze of November. Contrarywise, this week is the 65th anniversary of the publication of Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451, a futuristic dystopian novel depicting a society where the fire departments are in charge of burning any books they might find, and the folks who want to keep books alive must memorize those books and live together away from the urban environment and daily practice, reciting those books so that they, in essence, become the library. My girlfriend and I once had a friend in Mexico who was a librarian. She was originally from Worcester, Massachusetts, where during the Depression, when she was going to college, she and her mother would burn Bibles in the little stove in their attic apartment to attempt some semblance of heat. The Bibles had come with the attic apartment, having been left there by a Bible salesman who had died a few years before. Our friend's Christian name was Johanna Antonen, the daughter of Finnish immigrants. But after she had graduated and gone to work for the State Department, maintaining libraries at embassies in Central and South America, she went by the name of Tony. Tony was a marvelous host who owned a group of brick and stucco apartments on a street named Terra Plen in San Miguel de Allende, situated in the central highlands of Mexico in the state of Guanajuato. Terra Plen is the Spanish word for embankment, as a river had run fairly robustly through San Miguel back in the middle of the 16th century when the town was founded during the initial explorations of the conquistadors. In fact, Tony's apartments were an expansion of the original building that had been a convent, as shown on the earliest church records of San Miguel de Allende. Tony was one of the greatest traveling companions my girlfriend and I have ever had the pleasure of knowing. One of our most memorable road trips was to Zacatecas, one of the leading silver mining districts of early Mexico, again a product of the first-generation conquistador exploits. Zacatecas, old as it is, has a fantastic library with hundreds upon hundreds of leather bound volumes from the 16th century. And being a librarian who was also fluent in Spanish and noted for her own work at the library in San Miguel, Tony was able to gain us access to the oldest of the archives in the Zacatecas library. But Tony knew how to relax and play, too. She had been so long at the studious life that play and work often blended wonderfully. When her husband had died, the vacation palapa they had built in Tulum, in the Yucatan, took on a new purpose. The palapa became her place to rest when she was not in the village of Tulum working on her latest proyecto, a children's library. Tony, by the way, had also written children's books. Today, 71 years ago, heavy winds had been fanning a fire that had begun a few days before at Dolliver's Dump, just off the crooked road in Halls Cove, Mount Desert Island. For the first three days, the fire had only blackened 169 acres. But on October 21st, with the help of the wind, the fire engulfed 2,000 acres, and personnel from the Army Air Corps, the Navy, the Coast Guard, the University of Maine Forestry Program, and the Bangor Theological Seminary joined local firefighting crews. Nonetheless, the fire intensified, so that 2,300 acres burned on October 22nd. By now, the fire was crossing Route 233 on Mount Desert Island and continuing along the western shore of Eagle Lake. Stay tuned to next week's edition of A Word in Edgewise to hear what happened during the past week 71 years ago when the Great Fire of 1947 ravaged Mount Desert Island and Acadia National Park. From Orono, Maine, here's to a great day.